Hey, hello, welcome back to Hollywood Party. I'm so glad you could make it. We have kind of an intense person to get to today, so grab a drink and join the party. Okay, so it's almost the end of summer, and I told you by the end of summer we would do Old Elvis. So today is that party. Young Elvis was the American dream of going from rags to riches, and now Old Elvis is also the American dream of gluttony and excess. We all know how the story ends, but how did he get there? Just start chugging your drinks now, because I don't know how I'm going to put a positive spin on this one. It's pretty rough. So we left off when Elvis was finishing Blue Hawaii, which was the outline for every other movie he would do. The reason why Elvis wasn't getting the roles he felt he deserved and wanted was because of his homicidal manager, Colonel Tom Parker. Tom thought that all movies were promotional tools for Elvis's music and not art. Tom referred to Elvis's career as their joint venture. Instead of being mad about his roles, Elvis would just say, you're better off sticking with it till time just changes things. Even the music Elvis was starting to sing was not up to his usual standards. He would tell his band, man, what do we do with a piece of shit like this? Nothing, but he just did the best he could with what he was given. He still had a group of eight to nine guys around him. We will continue to refer to them as the fart catchers, because that was what one of Elvis's directors called them, and I love it. All of these dudes were uneducated, good old boys from Memphis. And people started asking Elvis, didn't he find these guys, well, intellectually lacking is probably the most polite way to put it. He would say, I don't have them around because they're idiots, but now you can surround yourself with intellectuals or people who are your so-called equals, and there can be dissension, there can be jealousy, and that's bad. I learn from people I work with. I learn every day from life itself. He would play the guys against each other and cause drama just to entertain himself. Elvis pretty much just paid these guys to do drugs with him. Well, he didn't really consider drugs prescribed by doctors to be drugs. Anyways, these guys would stay up all night, play football with him, and party. In LA, they installed a two-way mirror in the ladies' dressing room out in the pool cabana. Gross. Also, Elvis was really into mobile homing. Like, really into it. He'd either drive them out to Vegas on a moment's notice, or they would go cross-country in a mobile home, just a whole bunch of dudes, in between film shoots. That can't smell great. Letters came daily from Priscilla, who was still living in Germany because she was 16 and still in high school. Elvis negotiated with her parents to have her come out to LA and visit. She pre-wrote postcards to send to her parents every day so they could just do whatever they wanted during her visit. She had to start taking amphetamines to keep up with the schedule, and she didn't understand why he was so moody all the time. Luckily, I guess, he didn't have sex with her. I don't think a statutory rape charge was his worry. Elvis was really weird about virgins and about having sex in general. He preferred making out and petting, so in many ways he was just mentally a teenager. Since he wouldn't bang her, Priscilla thought there was something wrong with her and didn't know why he picked her. Like, what was it about her that he had to keep talking to her and pursuing her? He's never really clear about this. She's gorgeous, but he's Elvis. He could literally get any girl. Here's the thing, 
they look like they could be siblings. I know a lot of people are with someone they look like, but it seems like celebrities will find someone who looks similar to them and then make them look even more like them. Liberace is an extreme case, but Elvis did this to Priscilla, dyed her hair black, capped her teeth, made her dress like him, his same favorite colors, everything. When her parents picked her up from the airport, they were super pissed with her new look. She flew out again at Christmas and Elvis gave her two red pills to relax her after the flight. She didn't wake up for two days. Like most drug addicts, Elvis thought he was an authority on medicine. He read medical journals. That was enough, right? He negotiated with her parents to have her do her senior year in Memphis. She would live with Vernon, his dad, and his new wife, and her children. Priscilla thought that high school was an epic waste of time. And for her, yeah, it probably totally was. She didn't even have any friends. Elvis's grandma was legit her only friend. Right after her graduation, Elvis went to LA to film Viva Las Vegas, leaving her behind with grandma. And Margaret, who was his co-star, she had been discovered in Las Vegas by George Burns three years earlier. Her breakout role was in Bye Bye Birdie, which was a movie based on Elvis leaving for the army. This is like super meta. All of Elvis's fart catchers loved Anne. They called her Rusty, her character's name, and thought she was like the female Elvis. She was over at his house almost every single night, and Elvis even wanted Tom to manage her. Tom was currently battling with the director of the film because he was giving Anne way more close-ups than Elvis. Also, Anne was supposed to have two solos and three duets with Elvis. Tom made sure she ended up with less songs in general. Priscilla said that Anne was the woman she feared most. I think her fear was correctly placed. Anne and Elvis had a lot more in common than Priscilla and Elvis. They both had the same career, well, Elvis's was bigger. They both loved motorcycles, she was super chill and loved goofing around, and she was, and she still is, smoking hot. Even when Elvis was back at Graceland, Anne called him every single night to talk, and Elvis would never allow Priscilla to come out to visit him in LA. There was an interview with Anne published, and she was quoted as saying that she and Elvis were engaged. Priscilla got a hold of it, and she ended up throwing a vase against the wall. Elvis told her they weren't engaged, and that things like this were just going to happen, and he needed a girl who could understand. Was she the girl or not? He promised her that he wouldn't see Anne anymore, but he needed to be apart from Priscilla for a while. Whatever. All of his friends thought he was too much of a coward to do what he really wanted to do, or what they wanted him to do. That Christmas, Elvis had a wedding ring made up, and much to everyone's disappointment, it was a replacement for his grandmother's ring. Womp womp. He was thoroughly embarrassed by his movie called Kissin' Cousins because of how he looked. Not because of the plot, or because of the title. The movie after that was called Roustabout, and it was based on Tom Parker's life as a carny. They left out the murder part, obviously. Hal Wallace said the Elvis movies helped fund more artistic pictures, and quote, the story might not be the greatest, but then O'Toole and Burton can't sing like Elvis either. Elvis was definitely hurt by this, and he was upset with Tom for not fighting for better roles. And basically, he just started becoming more disillusioned with life. One good thing that came from that movie was Elvis got a new hairstylist, Larry Geller, who immediately quit his chair at J.C. Bring Salon when he knew he was going to work for Elvis Presley. Larry got Elvis really into spiritualism and this book called The Impersonal Life. Elvis was trying to figure out what his purpose in life was and why he was here. Dude, if Socrates couldn't figure it out, why did Elvis think he could? It should come as no surprise that the fart catchers did not like Larry. One of them said, We were having fun, and now all of a sudden Elvis is outside looking at the stars all night or reading these books asking questions about religion. Hey, 
What about the football game that happened last weekend? We used to sit around and watch football games. All that stuff was gone, man. The thing is, if Elvis liked something, they all had to get into it, and they hated having to use their brains. Also, Larry was Jewish, and you could imagine the shit they used to call him. He told Priscilla he wanted to withdraw from temptations, meaning any relations with her. They still weren't having sex, just everything else, during his spiritual study. Yet he still took pills because he needed them, not because they were a temptation. He even went as far as saying he wanted to become a monk. Did not go over very well with Priscilla. Elvis still didn't give up the dream of becoming a dramatic actor. He would rent out the movie theater in town and watch films three to five times in a row to study them. He really enjoyed British comedy. I did not see that coming. Especially Peter Sellers and Monty Python. His next movie, Tickle Me, helped save Allied Artists Studio, and by the end of 1964, he was the highest paid star in Hollywood. Initially, he was really excited to do the movie Harem Scarum and thought it was a more serious role. Did he not know the title? And said he he was totally discouraged when he came on the set and saw how cheeseball it looked. This kind of seems like a turning point for him. The Beatles are a big deal at this point, and he was now embarrassed to watch his own films and even listen to his own music. He tried LSD at Christmas time and just ended up watching The Time Machine and ordering pizza. In addition to taking all the drugs, Jackie Wilson taught him how to make himself really pour sweat while he was on stage because apparently the chicks liked it. So what he would do was take a handful of salt tablets, then chug water until he went on stage. It definitely helped him lose weight, but was terrible for his health, which was never a priority anyways, so there you go. Because of all these pills and being dehydrated, Elvis slips and hits his head on the bathtub one night. Tom flipped out on all the fart catchers. What the hell were they getting paid for? They had to watch over Elvis and not bother him with their own problems. So Tom put one guy in charge of everyone. Tom was also constantly getting Elvis new and better contracts. This is how they always were set up. 75% went to Elvis, 25% to Tom. All the profits and bonuses afterwards, they split 50-50. Tom was starting to have back problems and wasn't sure how long he was going to be alive, so he was really getting money hungry, or at least more than usual. He said that he should have written a book called How Much Does It Cost If It's Free? Tom said nothing was worth anything unless you placed value on it, and his value was 50%. Elvis was scared to get married, and he used the argument that Jesus was never married, but that really didn't fly because Priscilla's dad and Tom Parker were getting fed up with this crap. So Elvis ended up proposing at Christmas time with a 3.5 carat ring. On May 1st, everybody went out to Palm Springs to throw the press off, and then they flew to Las Vegas. The ceremony was in a small room, only eight minutes long, but the guys who were not the two best men were not allowed in. Some of them got super pissed and quit on the spot, like they're in their wedding gear and they just were done. Like most leeches, they think everything is about them. But the way that the guy spun it was, it was Elvis's big day and they needed to be there for him. Newsflash, dude, nobody cares about the groom on the wedding day. Nobody. It was Priscilla's day. She more than earned it. Not really sure why she wanted it at this point, but probably just for the principal. The majority of these guys didn't like her because she wanted a semi-normal household and they weren't going to change their ways. So it was like this weird passive-aggressive battle between her and them. Elvis didn't want to get involved because he just never did. The reception was at the Aladdin Hotel. It was a $10,000 buffet banquet. They honeymooned in Palm Springs without any of the fart catchers, thank God. The house they honeymooned in is still there and everything is the same. 
it's also for sale. So if you have an extra $3 million laying around, you could live there as well. They definitely finally had sex. Dr. Elvis told her not to take birth control because it wasn't proven to work. She definitely got pregnant the first night. Yeah, she was super pissed. Instead of taking it easy, she tried to lose weight because she didn't want anyone commenting on her figure. Apparently, Elvis had told her before that women used pregnancy as an excuse to let themselves go. The baby was actually a bargaining chip for Priscilla because she was able to buy a new home in LA with only four bedrooms, meaning she finally gets all the fart catchers out of her house. It should be noted that exactly one week after Elvis got married and Margaret married Roger Smith, he played the adult Patrick Dennis in Anti-Mame at the Riviera Hotel in Las Vegas. They stayed married until his death in 2017. She also had a drug and alcohol problem in the 1970s, so who knows if she would have been better or worse for Elvis. But when she's asked about him to this very day, she is super tight-lipped about the time they spent together. In February, Priscilla gave birth to Lisa Marie. Had she been a boy, the name would have been John Barron. Yikes. The Presley sex life was basically over at this point. Elvis thought mothers weren't or shouldn't be sexual. While Priscilla remodeled their new home, Elvis was working on the 1968 TV special. It was supposed to be his big comeback. Everybody on the set was so impressed with how easy Elvis was to work with and how he was into trying anything they suggested, which is how he got his new look. The costume designer said Elvis gave him a Napoleonic vibe. Okay. So he did the flipped up collar with scarves, no ties. The music arranger was shocked to hear Elvis playing Beethoven's Moonlight Sonata. That was until the fart catchers came in and said, what the fuck is that? It's awful. Because they could do better. The special was a massive success and made Elvis want to immediately go on tour again. But before he does that, let's take a little break and freshen up. Tom gets involved with Kirk Kikorian, who owned the International Hotel in Vegas. Kirk is the same guy who ruined MGM Studios. I do not have a special place in my heart for this guy. He's a douche. So they set up a deal that's $500,000 for four weeks of shows. The room that Elvis will be playing in was 800 more people a night than the one Sinatra was playing at the Sands. He got $11,000 worth of new outfits. He also did not wear underwear, which is random fact of the day, and he was super nervous, like they were afraid he wasn't even gonna make it on the stage. He had rave reviews from every single paper. Everybody close to him, including Priscilla, who had like never seen him perform, saw him in a different light. He was a better version of himself because he loved being on stage. During the first month, 100,000 people saw him and he made $1.5 million in ticket sales. A few weeks later, a reporter met him at the tables on the casino floor and said, he looked great. And Elvis commented, that's what a bad marriage does to you. What? It only took a little over a month for him to get bored with his new show and go back to his spiritual books, which Priscilla wasn't into, so that just made the gap between them grow even bigger. Besides that, he and his band of morons agreed that wives were married, but they were not. Because of this, there was a paternity suit filed against Elvis. He said he was totally, totally innocent, but I think everyone knew that was a load of crap. He would tell girls that he met that he and Priscilla were in an open marriage, but kept certain things from each other. Probably like the fact that they were in an open marriage. By this time, because of the years of drug abuse, his girlfriend said that it was very hard for him to be a natural man. There started to be threats made against his life or bomb threats to his shows. The only time something actually happened was like four dudes rushed the stage and Elvis karate kicked one of them into the audience. 
If I would have seen that, I probably would have thought it was part of the show. Because of this, he starts getting really interested in law enforcement and guns. The gun thing is awful. Every single girlfriend and Priscilla say it scared the shit out of them. He famously shot a TV, and he would shoot the headboard of the bed just to wake the girls up. He called it an attention getter. He also watched the movie Patton 12 times in a row. That is a long ass movie for one time, but 12 times? He was able to wrangle a meeting with Nixon because he, Elvis, was concerned about the drug culture in America and wanted to do something about it. Like, other than finance and contribute to it? Nixon was always trying to be hip, so he gave Elvis a little badge and sent him on his way. He was unable to meet with J. Edgar Hoover, which I think is probably a good thing because I don't think Hoover would have liked him. Also, his spending habits are going nuts. By the way, this is the only thing his dad flips out about. Like, just so we're on the same page, his religious father didn't mind the drugs or cheating on his wife, but spend too much money. Whoa, let's, let's calm down now. I mean, his dad wasn't wrong. Some of his expenditures were insane. He gave Tom a plane. All of the fart catchers got a gold taking care of business necklace. The girls got a TLC tender loving care necklace. And then he would like buy people Mercedes at 3 a.m. He loved giving cars. I, I think he probably like kept many, many car dealerships in Memphis in business because of the amount of cars he's buying for people. Around this time, Priscilla has had enough. She starts having an affair with her karate instructor. It's the 70s, karate was a thing. Also, Elvis wasn't banging her, so why should he care? She tells him about the guy and he shoves her on the bed and says, this is how a real man makes love to his woman. That sounds like marital rape to me. When she leaves, Elvis listens to Where Does Love Go by Charles Boyer. What? Non-stop, like all the time, it's pissing his entire group off. In one of his drug hazes, he tells his fart catchers that Mike Stone, the guy that Priscilla went with, causes him too much pain and needed to die. Nothing came from it, but like, how did you think this was gonna play out, dude? You cheated on your wife numerous times. You are the reason your marriage went to shit. The divorce takes place in LA and Priscilla got $750,000 upfront, $1,000 a month for her and 500 for child support. Six days after a different court appearance to get more money when she figured out, yeah, he could pay more, he's freaking Elvis. He lands in the hospital, nearly comatose. His body was black and blue all over because he was getting daily injections of Demerol. His primary doctor, Dr. Nick, had to treat him like an addict and give him methadone. Dr. Nick was also the doctor who had been giving him more and more pills. There were no over-the-counter medicines at Elvis's house, none. His pill bottles that this doctor prescribed were like a thousand pills or more per bottle. So if he's an addict, it's because of you, Dr. Nick. Only one person ever talked to Elvis about his drug use, and that is Kang Ree, his karate instructor. All the other guys were too chicken shit. Elvis told Kang he was anti-drugs. Nixon even gave him a badge, check it out. Still, he would pass out and piss the bed when girls were in it because he didn't know what was going on. There was an investigation because a girl who was at his Palm Springs house almost died of an overdose. Then he broke a lady's ankle in Palm Springs while doing a karate demonstration. Right after his 40th birthday, which was celebrated with major depression on Elvis's part, he landed in the hospital. Then Vernon joined him because he had a heart attack. While recovering, Vernon told Elvis that he killed his mother because she worried about him so much. 
I mean, it's kind of harsh, but damn, like someone's got to try and shake some sense into him. RCA was annoyed that Elvis's record sales were not great, but they still owed him over $600,000 in back royalties, so they can kind of shove it. Even with all his health issues, he still made $4 million in 1974 from touring and some records. The press really started commenting on his weight, but his fans didn't care. They were from the 50s as well, and they'd gotten older, so who cares that he plumped up? They had too. The Hollywood Reporter was the most brutally honest. Quote, it's a tragedy, disheartening, and absolutely depressing to see Elvis in such a diminished stature. I've gotta say, this part of Elvis's story is reminding me of Britney Spears. Not the weight gain, she looks amazing, but it's more the being around tons of people who are not getting you the help that you need. Like, are we doing this again to one of our celebrities? I think so, and it's super lame. During this time, Barbara Streisand comes to visit Elvis. She offers him the role of Norman Maine in A Star Is Born. This was it. This is what Elvis had been waiting to do, a major dramatic role. He says, yeah, I'm in. And as usual, he lets Tom handle negotiations. And Tom said that Babs was trying to get him for cheap and pull one over on him. Warners offered $500,000 in 10% of the box office, but Tom wanted a million dollars, $100,000 in expenses, and 50% of the profit. We all know how that ended. I would like to visit the parallel universe where this movie exists. Elvis should have made this movie for nothing. He didn't need the money because this could have totally taken his career a totally different direction and he probably would have won a goddamn Oscar. So good job, Tom dumbass. Elvis dated Linda Thompson, who went on to marry Bruce Jenner, and proposed to another girlfriend, Ginger Alden. He started becoming more paranoid of people, their motivations, and germs. Paging Howard Hughes. One day in August, he went to read in the bathroom and never came out. Officially, he died of a heart attack. He'd taken codeine that day because he'd been to the dentist, but he ended up taking 10 times the normal amount. Ginger found him, all the fart catchers ran up, one guy tried to resuscitate him, and in the middle of all this, Lisa Marie came in. No one's ever watching this kid. Luckily, they shut the door before she sees anything that she shouldn't be seeing. Dr. Nick rode in the ambulance with him, but nothing helped. The entire town of Memphis was told to make emergency phone calls only because Graceland was getting so many phone calls having to do with the funeral arrangements. This was a massive story. Everybody remembers where they were when they heard the news. And honestly, had he taken care of himself better, he would be 85 years old, which is not unreasonable to think that he could still be around. Vernon wanted him to be in an open coffin in the living room and he wanted fans to be able to pay their respects. It was summer in the South, so tons of ladies were just fainting at the doorstep while they waited to see his body. One of Elvis's stepbrothers got a photo for the National Enquirer, so if you ever see a photo of Elvis in a coffin, it's legit. While all the mourners were filing past his son, Tom corners Vernon and gets him to agree that it would be best to continue with the 50-50 deal for the profits of Elvis's records and merchandise. Vernon agrees because one, he's not an educated man, two, he trusted Tom and he thought that he was doing doing everything in their best interest. Vernon passed away two years after Elvis, and Elvis and his mother were moved back to Graceland to be buried with Vernon in the meditation garden. Priscilla opened Graceland as a tourist attraction in 1982. It averages 600,000 visitors a year. She basically wrote the book on how to deal with celebrities and death. I would totally want her in charge of my estate because she is incredibly business savvy in that regard. Last year, Elvis made $39 million second only to his dead former son-in-law, Michael Jackson. Yeah, 
I forgot about that too. On paper, Lisa and Michael kind of made sense. Still weird though. So old Elvis is the first drug addict that we've had to get to know in depth. Between his idiot fart catchers, who helped basically kill him, Elvis shooting guns to get attention, and pissing in beds, I don't really want this version of him at our party. Like, he's gonna get a hard no from me because I don't want to babysit anyone. And I know we're gonna have to deal with drug abuse again. <laughs> Judy Garland, anyone? But this is draining. Like, even just talking about it is draining. So, sorry, old Elvis. It's gonna be a no from us. Thanks for listening to Hollywood Party. For more information about this episode, head over to hollywoodpartypodcast.com and follow us on Instagram. If you like the show, tell every single person you know. Like and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Give us a review. It's free and it's nice to do. Or follow us on Spotify or Anchor or whatever you're using to listen to us right now. See you next week. Hollywood.